Welcome to Manufacturing Success, a podcast presented by the Fisher and Phillips Manufacturing Industry Practice Group. My name is Mike Carruth. I'm a partner in the Columbia, South Carolina office of Fisher and Phillips, and I'm a member of the Fisher and Phillips Manufacturing Industry Practice Group. Let's get started with this episode of Manufacturing Success. For our conversation today, we will focus on the Federal Trade Commission's recent proposal on a new rule on non-compete agreements. Just like handbooks, work rules, and guidelines, most employers have non-compete agreements to, to protect important business interests and ensure stability of their operations. Now, however, the FTC's action is presenting a serious challenge to the ability of employers to rely on non-compete agreements to protect their business interests. For this topic, my guest today is Michael Elkon. Michael is a partner in the Fisher and Phillips office in Atlanta and is co-chair of the firm's Employee Defection and Trade Secrets Practice Group. Welcome to Manufacturing Success, Michael. It's great to be here. All right, uh, to get started, I want to do something I've been doing with all my guests, give everybody a little feel for who our guest is and, and where everybody's coming from. I'm going to give you a couple of things to compare, and I just want you to pick so people can draw their own conclusions about uh, Michael Elkon. Beer versus wine. Beer, although my wife will be mad that, with that answer. Chocolate ice cream versus vanilla ice cream. Vanilla, because chocolate ice cream doesn't taste like actual chocolate. Dogs versus cats. I'm going to make Myra Creighton in the Atlanta office very mad with this and say cats. A ribeye steak versus salmon filet. For one evening, ribeye for uh, feeling good the next day and not feeling guilty, salmon. Maize in blue versus buckeyes. I mean... I form complete sentences with every paragraph I try to write. So I'm going to go amazing blue. All right. Well, very good. I think that will give folks a lot of information that they can draw their own conclusions on uh, who Michael Elcott is. So let's get started with our topic, the uh, FTC's new proposed rule. Uh, first question I have out of the box, what has happened? Um, <laughs> that's pretty much what I was asking myself at about 10.05 a.m. on January the 5th when the news broke that the FTC had submitted a proposed rule banning non-competes. So it came, I don't want to say came out of nowhere because there's been a lot of smoke that something like this was coming, but on January the 5th, the FTC released a proposed rule banning non-competes on a nationwide basis with retroactive effect with limited exceptions. So for, for someone like me, who 90% of what I do are non-compete, trade secret, duty of loyalty, employees doing bad things on computers type cases, this was a, a, a really large shell landing uh, very close to me. Yeah. Has the FTC or any other government agency ever reached out and tried to make rules or guidelines regarding non-competes before? Not on the federal level. So one of the things that's unique about this is that non-compete regulation has always been a matter of state law. 
And it, it has been regulated on that basis as, as long as I can remember. And I've been in the specialty for over two decades. The best way that I could explain to clients previously how non-compete law worked was to imagine a continuum with California on one end and Florida on the other. California bans non-competes, customer non-solicitation provisions, and says it's an unfair labor practice to even ask your employees to sign them. Florida has the most pro-enforcement statute you can imagine. And then the other 48 states filled in somewhere between California on one pole and Florida on the other. Uh, the federal government never really played a role in this until now. Yeah. So what triggered this event for the federal government to step in in such a big way? Uh, to, to put on a political science hat for a minute, the increasing polarization and politicization of everything in the United States. That's sort of a general answer. What's happened in the last 10 to 20 years is that non-competes of grain gained increasing political salience um, on a red-blue axis, with blue states tending to be moving against enforcement and red states moving towards greater enforcement. That sort of political salience then included results on the federal level. So the, the federal government started to gain interest in non-compete regulation because of the, the, the fact that something that would, used to be viewed as apolitical was now being viewed as political. The other thing that I'd mention is that there was um, academic research and there has been ongoing academic research into the effect of restrictive covenants. And I think that also sort of gained the interest of people like the, the individuals in charge of the Federal Trade Commission. Okay. okay. Well, that's good. So, so what did that research, do you know what, what just in general terms, what did that research conclude that would drive the FTC to go towards this rulemaking? Well, th th there was um, one academic paper, and, and this is over a decade ago, that argued that the reason why Silicon Valley became what it did, and there wasn't a similar sort of explosion of tech businesses in the corridor around Boston and Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, given the amount of sort of brain power in that area, the argument was not California had a ban on non-competes and Massachusetts was pro-enforcement, and that the, the ban on non-competes essentially created the the petri dish that led to Silicon Valley becoming what it did. Now, that, that, that conclusion has been disputed, and there are academic papers that, that take a more positive view of the effect of non-compete covenants, but th that's sort of the classic example of how it got into academic research. And in fact, the, the Federal Trade Commission, both in the longer piece that they released with the proposed rule and in the sort of media campaign that they've engaged in uh, justifying the rule have cited a lot of the academic research that is anti-non-compete and th that's part of their motivation. So has anything really changed at this point? Are there new rules, new guidelines, or new restrictions that are in place right now? The, the FTC rule is not in effect right now. So, so we're in a 60-day comment period that will end in March. After the comment period ends, then the FTC will issue its final rule. Um, 
it may stick to what it has right now. It may narrow it. It would be hard for it to make it broader. Um, but the FTC will, will ultimately issue a final rule. As it is currently constituted, the business community will then have 180 days with which to comply with the new rule. So nothing has gone into effect yet. It's on the horizon. It's worth paying attention to. And I would say the one sort of intangible effect right now is that this non-compete ban is in the ether. So if you're trying to enforce a non-compete in court, certainly in a blue state or in front of a, a, a Democratic appointed judge, the fact that the FTC has taken this position will at least matter in a, in a general, general sense, even if it's not in effect yet. I would file that away under the rubric of judges are human beings. Right. Yeah, I never thought about it. That's a good point, Michael. But what I, uh, my first thought when I heard about this was uh, the non-compete work uh, that I've engaged in. You, there's always a certain segment of the folks involved who say, oh, those aren't enforceable, regardless of what state you're in. Those, oh, those aren't enforced. They just have a general perception of the people they've interacted with, the businesses they've dealt with, uh, that they're not enforceable. So sometimes you have to overcome that kind of hurdle. And that's a good point because I think all this publicity over the FTC rule is just going to exacerbate that. It's going to expand the, the, the body of folks that think that, oh, these aren't enforceable anymore. I think there's a federal law that says you can't do this to me. So that, that's a good point. Uh, with all the materials, everything I've read, it always just refers to the FTC's rule regarding non-compete agreements. Now, and, and, and based on the work I've done, you, you do a whole lot more, And um, uh, but the work I've done, the non-compete is just one component of multiple uh, protective covenants that employers can implement. There's non-solicitation, non-disclosure, confidentiality. Uh, non-solicitation of employees, non-solicitation of customers. So, so what does the FTC rule go into all those different uh, protective covenants or is it just a non-compete rule? Ostensibly, the FTC rule is just applicable to true non-competes. A non-compete restriction precisely defined is a restriction that prevents a departing employee for a period of time after the end of their employment from performing certain job duties or working in certain capacities for a competitor within a defined geographic area. So the non-compete ban, when I refer to that, the FTC has only banned that particular type of provision. They have not banned customer non-solicitation, employee non-solicitation, non-disclosure of confidential information. All of that should still be good. One of the big questions is how the non-compete ban would be interpreted, right? So there is a provision that says that they, they're doing away with what they consider to be de facto non-competes. And the two examples that they gave are training agreements that say, you know, we're training you and if you leave within two years or five years or whatever, you got to pay us back $50,000. The FTC has said that they consider to be a de facto non-compete because it stops somebody from getting a new job. And then the, the second example they gave is an overly broad non-disclosure provision that would basically make it imp impossible to get a new job, right? So if you said any knowledge that you've ever gained about this particular business is confidential and you can't use it for a competitor without any sort of limitation on it being you know, non-public commercially valuable information, that could uh, act as a de facto non-compete. And the FTC would consider that to be 
a non-compete. Now, one of the key questions is going to be how the, the courts interpret non-solicitation covenants and what I sometimes refer to as non-solicitation on steroids, which is a non-solicitation covenant that says you will not solicit service or accept business from the clients that you serviced when you worked for the former employer. So I can definitely imagine a departing employee, especially a departing employee whose value is bound up in managing a book of business, a client-facing employee like that. You know, you can imagine this in certain businesses um, or industries. They could potentially argue, look, I can't get another job if I can't move the book of business or at least, you know, go somewhere else and accept the business that seeks me out. So there will be arguments like that, that that's essentially a de facto non-compete. I don't think that argument will work, but again, it will sort of depend on the judge and judges are human beings and judges live in an increasingly politicized legal environment. And I can, I can see at least some judges buying that, even if others don't. If this FTC rule does go in to some extent, let's assume it goes in like it's proposed right now, where will that be litigated? Are you going to be in federal court? So I mean, technically speaking, the FTC has exclusive jurisdiction to enforce its own rule, right? So I, it, the FTC rule doesn't create a private right of enforcement. That said, if the FTC rule goes into effect, I can't imagine judges not saying, well, I'm not going to enforce this non-compete because it is prohibited by the Federal Trade Commission, right? Like, and, and frankly, I mean, if an employer violated the FTC rule and the FTC didn't come after them, but they're still trying to enforce non-competes, they'd, I mean, they'd be exposing themselves to, I, I think, some substantial jeopardy. All of that litigation would not be in front of the FTC? Well, the FTC would bring enforcement actions to the extent that they find out that employers haven't complied with the obligations, right? So what, what the proposed rule says is that within 180 days after the, the final issuance of the rule, employers have to notify their employees that their non-competes are no longer valid. And there is sample language in the proposed rule as to how employers are supposed to notify. And in fact, it would be anybody subject to a rule or sorry, subject to a non-compete. So if you have a two-year non-compete with a former employee and they're a year and a half out, you got to go reach out to them and say, hey, by the way, your non-compete with six months to go, no longer in effect. So, so to comply with the FTC regulation, an employer would have to reach out to anybody who's subject to a covenant that's now invalid and tell them the covenant is no longer in effect right. and you run into trouble. The FTC can bring enforcement actions if you fail to comply. Okay. Uh, and what were those penalties? What kind of penalties or uh, adverse actions would occur if you continue to have a, a bad non-compete after the rule is implemented? The, the, the penalties are, are potentially substantial. I mean, as, as you might imagine, the FTC you know, wants people to comply with, with, with their proposed rule and will, will make it painful for anybody you know, who, who um, engages in what they now consider to be a, um, an unfair manner of competition to, 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 to sort of violate it. But the, the, the proposed rule at least does not include potential penalty. So there's, no, there's nothing in there that says they're going to get attorneys. So like, if you still have these things, 
you're not going to be subject to attorney's fees or treble damages or some kind of liquidated damage kind of thing. There's nothing in the proposed rule that says that. Correct. Will there be any, the rules written right now, which is the best we can do, uh, would mm -hmm. there be any non-competes that would survive this? Yes. Yeah, so so the, the one exception that's in the proposed rule is for sale of a business non-competes. Um, you generally have a, a non-compete in just about any sort of asset or stock sale agreement. Um, however, the way that the FTC has defined it is that you can only have a non-compete with a substantial owner, which they define as somebody who owns 25% or more of the business. So you can imagine scenarios where an individual makes you know, a seven or eight figure sum as a minority shareholder selling their business or being part of the sale of a business, being subject to a non-compete that normally the courts would enforce. The FTC rule will mean that anybody who sold less than 25% of their business, their non-compete is now invalid to the extent that it's tied to employment. So you could have somebody who was a 10% owner of a business and sold for $100 million that made $10 million from the sale who in almost any circumstance would be considered to be subject to an enforceable non-compete for which they received an eight-figure sum. Potentially, depending on how things play out, the FTC rule could say now your non-compete's invalid. You were talking about uh, providing notice to people that do have non-competes that would need to be addressed. Um, so it's going to be applied to you know, uh, previously enter, entered into agreements. So I guess there's retroactive application to it. It's not just prohibiting Correct. moving forward. Okay. Right. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And that, that makes it unique with respect to other state law provisions. It is unusual for any governmental entity to step in and say, these agreements that have been signed 10, 20 years ago, based on negotiation and agreement on terms, we're going back in and, and re rewriting the contract that these parties agreed to. So right. I, I would imagine that will be one of the bases that it, the proposed rule will be challenged in court. Right. Yeah, well, that leads me to my next question. So how, do you think this rule is gonna go into effect? Do you think it's gonna be implemented? There will definitely be legal challenges to it. If I had to guess, and I have a very specific prediction on this that I've been offering, I don't think it will because I think there will be at least one business group that will challenge it. They'll have the advantage of picking out a favorable federal district court. If I had to bet my life on it, I suspect a federal district court judge will enjoin it. A federal court of appeals, and my personal prediction is the Fifth Circuit will say that the FTC didn't have this power. It'll go up to the Supreme Court and Justice Gorsuch will write an opinion saying the FTC didn't have this power. All right, so what should employers do now? It's not in, it's not a rule now, it's going to be a while, might not go in, could be legal challenges. So what should employers do now, if anything? What employers should do now is, first of all, you were in a notice period. So I would, if you're interested in the issue and you want to submit a comment, there are ways to submit comments either through the mail or on a website. Um, and we, we can give details to clients if they want to do that. Um, some industry groups are submitting sort of collective comments. So your business may be able to sort of pool your comments in together with other like-minded businesses. Um, but then beyond that, I mean, I, this is a good time to take an inventory of your agreements, sale of a business agreements included, 
stock agreements, you know, non-competes can come in a lot of different shapes and sizes other than employment agreements. It's a good time to do an inventory of your agreements. It's a good time to make sure you have the right agreements in place with the, with key employees. Uh, conversely, it's a good time to make sure you you don't have excessively broad non-compete coverage with respect to your workforce because a, a separate issue that the FTC has gotten after some companies about is they've gone after them for overly broad use of non-competes, you know, making lower wage employees sign non-competes when there's not really a business justification to do it. So now's a good time to examine whether you're doing that. And it's a good time to examine whether you're doing a good job protecting your trade secrets because California has a ban on non-competes and they still have a thriving practice in my area because they just have a lot of trade secret cases. So making sure that you're taking reasonable means to protect your key information, which is one of the elements to show a trade secret. It's never a bad time to make sure you're on good footing there. Well, very good. Well, I, I think this is a huge event, at least in its potential impact. But Michael, thanks for sharing your thoughts for us with us today. Thanks for being part of Manufacturing Success Podcast. Uh, we hope everyone found uh, today's conversation helpful, and we look forward to having you join us again. Are there any topics or conversations that you'd like to hear? Please let us know. Uh, so I hope everybody has a great day. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.